and welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. It's a Friday afternoon. We're we've both had drinks. Friday night. Friday night. Friday after Friday. Depending evening, on the Friday coast. Night. <laughs> we've clearly both enjoyed our Fridays. I'm Allie. <laughs> I'm Ginny. And today we are talking about Normal again. Thank you. Normal again and forgiving. <laughs> forgiving. And mm-hmm. Angel was so bad it drove Jenny to drink. <laughs> it did. <laughs> That's not technically true, but I will go with it. That's the narrative I'm spinning it. because I think it's funny. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Yeah. It Well, it'll be interesting to talk about. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I gave you a little pre-spiel. I just, I wish I had spent more time thinking about the episode of Buffy and I was trying really hard to come up with more positive things to say about Angel and I didn't get to either place. So we'll just do our best. I've got some pretty uh, lackluster notes. I think that this will be fun. Um, I don't know. But we are going to start with Buffy, even though I just opened with Angel. But uh, first, Jenny, it's Friday night, as you corrected me. Yes. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. I had some beer. (laughs) I ate some dinner. I had a long... I didn't have to go to work today. Um, oh, nice. Because summer, summer Fridays. We get every other Friday off right now. That's how your summer Fridays work? That's amazing. It's how they work now, yeah. Every department has to vote, and my department is, um, you know, smart, so we decided to do this way instead of the half-day Fridays. Uh, anyway, yeah, so I had the whole day off. Um I had a lot to do. I really literally spent the whole day doing chores. But I was kind of thinking about it. I was like, oh, it doesn't look nearly as good in my apartment as it should for how long I just literally cleaned and, like, did things. But what I did do was, like, I cleaned out two closets. So it's like, it doesn't look very impressive when you walk into my apartment because you have to open the closet doors to see that anything has happened. But, like, I know that I did a lot. I, like, found a bunch of, like... Uh, like I found, I found a lot of stuff that I had just kind of shoved into like a tup, not a Tupperware, a Rubbermaid when I moved in two years ago, three years ago. I don't know however long I've been living here. Um, and I was like, oh, I should like throw away some of the stuff and I should wash some of it so that it could be used. And so like I did that. You know, I find sometimes that cleaning can really make you feel good about yourself, but purging and cleaning the inside of closets is like a whole other level of joy. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, yeah. I agree with you that sometimes it's frustrating because it's like you're the only person who knows the difference. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I literally was thinking, I was like, I was gonna be so impressed when he gets home that I was like, he's literally not gonna. See, you can't tell that I did anything unless you open the until you open the closets, and even then it's like minimal. Even then, if he hasn't <laughs> like, been looking in the contents of that yeah. Rubbermaid for like the last two years, he's gonna have exactly. no idea. Exactly. Like, uh, you really, this is not. It doesn't look impressive, but I know I did a lot. Well, I'm and probably I found a bunch of stuff that I, you know, not that I forgot about exactly, but that I like, oh yeah, I haven't seen this in a long time. So anyway, how was your Friday? Well, I went to work. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so not as good. <laughs> yeah. But it was National Donut Day, so I ate oh, yeah. two Krispy Kreme donuts, which <laughs> they bring in every year now that I'm thinking about it for National Donut Day, which is fine because I have a space in my heart for Krispy Kreme. Mm-hmm. But Krispy Kreme I think that's fair. is only good fresh, and yeah, they were already slightly turning by <laughs> 9 a.m. when I had one, and then I, I had, like, the last half of one, like, at 4 today, and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this is just, like, 
no longer good. I mean, it's like stale and then immediately melts in your mouth, which like would be an intriguing combo, but it's not. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and the frustrating thing is I'm like, we have, well, we have okay donut places in San Francisco. And mm-hmm. honestly, like I'm thinking about the like trendy brands, but like on every street corner, there is a totally like adequate donut shop that you could get right. something from that is probably better than Krispy Kreme. So it's a little frustrating that somebody literally went all the way out of the city to get those. <laughs> so, yeah. Actually, but maybe they didn't. Now that I'm thinking about it, we do have one Krispy Kreme in the city. It's not important. The point is that it was National Donut Day, and I almost stopped on the donuts. way to work to get yeah. a good donut. And then I didn't because I was like, oh, I think I remember that we're going to have donuts in the office. <laughs> and we did, but they were free, but subpar. So, you know. Yeah. So. So that was my own fault. Good. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it was still donuts on a Friday, so I'm not really complaining. Yeah. No, exactly. And I went to the office on a Friday for the first time in a few weeks, and honestly, it felt great. Like, it feels weird to say, like, oh, I had to go to work today, but, like, I don't know. It just, like, felt very productive of me. Um, Okay. Even though there's, like, no one there, and it's, like, deadly quiet. So, like, I actually end up, like, going into these little, like, breakout rooms because it's too quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway. I'm so sure that is super interesting information for everyone yeah. to know. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> just a Friday, you know. Um, yeah, just a normal Friday. Yeah. But I'm excited because I'm going to have a fun weekend. So it's good. Okay. Fun. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about Buffy because. Let's talk about Buffy. This episode. So last time I remember I was like, oh, what is this episode? And you were like, I know what this is. And then. I had, a, like, a brief memory of, like, oh, I think it's that episode. And it was that episode being okay. the one where Buffy thinks she's, like, institutionalized. But mm-hmm. I remembered this episode slightly differently. So let's... Okay, interesting. Yeah. Not in a bad way. I'm just, tr- like... Okay. I remember some of the plot being a little more, like, <clears throat> constant than... I think I'm yeah. actually confusing it with an episode of Charmed. So okay. that's probably what's going on in my brain. Interesting. But why don't you tell us what happened so that I can stop dancing around it? <laughs> yes. Okay. So, I mean, I think this is a pretty straightforward summary, which is Buffy is back on the hunt for the trio. And they've uh, apparently, like, definitely went out of their way to hide, rent some different house in Sunnydale uh, to try and be a little bit harder to find. But as Buffy approaches the house that they've rented, they send a demon after her because that's like what Andrew does is he summons demons and uh, she gets in a a fight with this demon and he like stabs her with some, you know, bone stabber fragment that he is part of his body. Um, And she and it um, has an effect on her, which is that she starts. kind of flipping back between realities, which we've kind of seen happen with the trio before. But this time what she sees happen is she sees herself in an institution um, where everybody is explaining to her this world that you've invented, where you're a slayer and you're the chosen one and all of your friends have superpowers. It's not real. None of that has ever been real. You've never been the slayer. And won't you just snap out of it? And so she kind of, she basically goes back and forth between that for the whole first half of the episode. Um, <clears throat> eventually Willow and the gang kind of figure out what's going on and they realize that if they capture this demon, they can make an antidote to this like effect that it's having on Buffy. So they do that. Um, and after Willow, um, brews this antidote for her, 
it kind of seems like Buffy is falling harder and harder into that, uh, into this other reality. And so she actually decides not to take the antidote and instead kind of spurred on by the people and the things that she's seeing in this other vision, which include her mother and her father still together, you know, in this other world, this is all post LA really even before all of the stuff that's happened in Sunnydale. So her parents are still together. Dawn doesn't exist, et cetera, et cetera. Buffy kind of decides to hide back in that world. And the way to do that, she thinks is by killing all of her friends. Uh, so she starts to do that. She sticks this demon, the same demon on all of them. Um, but luckily, uh, Tara, Tara comes to deus ex Tara comes to save the day. (laughs) And as she sort of snaps out of it, uh, and so between the two of them, they defeat the demon and, and save everybody. So I, I mean, more or less, that's what's, that's, that's the main plot line. Uh, Xander is back after having left for a while post leaving Anya at the altar. Anya is not around anymore. Um, it does seem like people saw, they saw her, Buffy and Willow saw her after the wedding, but that they don't, she, she left, left Sunnydale. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Although the, and the episode ends with a shot of Buffy in the institution. Yeah. Which I think we can talk about. Yeah. Because I also sort of forgot it ended that way. So we'll get to the ending because I do want to talk about that because. Yeah. I was kind of tripped out by it. But. I <laughs> was annoyed by it maybe. Well, I can't decide. I can't decide how I feel about this whole episode. Yeah. Is my starting point. I, okay. So something that I was thinking about because I'm like I mentioned that this episode in my mind, oh, yeah, you thought it was I something else. it with this episode that happened on Charmed because it's almost the exact same thing where the sisters find themselves in a mental ward and the doctors are trying to convince them that they've made up this whole storyline where they're like not sisters, they're just three patients who have convinced themselves mm-hmm. that they're witches and they're fighting evil and like, you know, all this stuff. And it's kind of the same thing, like demonic origins or whatever. And Buffy's doing that as well. Like, I think it's a very strikingly similar storyline. And Mm -hmm. the thing that I, that literally just struck me while I was thinking about this, while you're laying out the plot and I'm thinking, gosh, that really sounds like what I thought it was, but I'm envisioning different scenes because it's like different. (laughs) It's an entirely different show doing this exact same story. It's like, this is a pretty common story in a show like this, like the fantasy show. And then there's always the episode where they're basically asking the question that any normal person would ask confronted with like this this kind of thing is like, you must be crazy. This is a figment of your imagination. This can't possibly be real. But where I think Buffy actually takes what is a trope in fantasy shows or at least WB fantasy shows and yeah, yeah, yeah. And like a pretty common plot point where I think Buffy actually takes it and deepens it in a way that makes me okay with this episode is they're leaning on this whole idea of Buffy for episodes now questioning her sanity in a way or her state of mind or her place in the world or, you know, she's questioning everything about her existence essentially and using that to inform this episode where because of this demon, she's flitting between realities, but using her state of mind and her feelings in her real reality to inform her decision to actually flee to this other reality, which should be something that she recognizes as unreal or 
alternate. And at first she kind of does, but then we hear this backstory where we learn that actually these visions are pretty personal to Buffy's own lived experience. And so Mm -hmm. it's actually kind of amazing of the demon, like this power, because it actually (laughs) blurs the line between realities where Buffy's actually truly uncertain which is real but also using her put a pin in that also though yeah but using her quote-unquote like real reality to inform her feelings about fleeing to her fake reality so like she actually finds that comforting and safe where her parents are together she's not the slayer she doesn't have the Mm -hmm. weight of the world on her shoulders and really the worst thing that's happened to her is she spent the last six of her years of her life insane i mean right that sounds like an easy choice, but for Buffy, right? I, I, I guess Isn't I'm saying it, like I actually really appreciated the effort that went into that, right? And I, I mostly agree with you because I had the same. I have not seen that episode of Charmed. I haven't actually even seen this particular thing play out a lot. I don't think in other TV shows. But when I was thinking about it before we started recording, I had the same exact thought though, which was like, this does feel a little bit tropey, um, and and in, and in some not great ways. You know, I don't know. I feel like. This, this season has dealt not explicitly with depression and addiction and a lot of other kind of mental strifes. And so there is a part of me that wants to say, like, it makes sense that we are making it more extreme and kind of going to this place. And there's another part of me that feels like this is a little bit insensitive. So I guess that's kind of my, like, overall hesitation. I do think that the episode does a lot of things that ground it or that break it, make it a better version of this kind of tropey thing and for me the clinch is the fact that they bring Joyce back yes (laughs) I feel like every time that happens it really guts me in this way that I think is more than just wouldn't it be haha funny if Buffy was actually just crazy like I feel like it is this it is there are these bigger stakes for her that aren't just kind of an easy trope I gotta come up with another word and I don't have it right now but I just mean to say that like I do feel like this episode puts a lot of effort into building around a way in which this is conceivable and real for Buffy and to your point too yes this like it is a little bit of a retcon but I do think that it it works it it makes sense to me that Buffy would have been in this position before because the way we know what happened you know between LA and Sunnydale is that like she burned down her high school and started telling people that she was the chosen you know it makes sense to me that that would have happened so I guess I'm still on the fence overall but I agree with you that I think this is episode is doing some they're making a lot of effort that does pay off to make this feel a little bit more elevated than just kind of like whack wacka. Like, wouldn't it be funny if this whole thing, it wasn't real. (laughs) No, absolutely. And I think it gives Buffy emotional realness and like legitimacy in this where I think you're right. The clincher is Joyce because why wouldn't she want to go back to a reality where her mother is still alive, where she doesn't feel like she caused her parents divorce, where she doesn't, you know, like there's the minor inconvenience of she doesn't have a sister and she doesn't have her friends and she's, been lived like I said living in a mental institution for the last six years but but they do but make it kind a real of, choice it, it is yeah. a real choice and it's like what what would you give to have your parent back or yeah you know to, to have not, your life back yeah, yeah and to not have gone through all that stuff and I think you're right I think that's the, the real thing that makes it work and also 
I agree, a total retcon. We've never heard about <laughs> yeah, Buffy's really time in the institution before. Yeah. And the one thing that makes me question it is that I feel like that's the kind of thing that really should have come up when it in season have. two, yeah. when she's fighting with Joyce, saying she's the Slayer. Totally, like you'd think totally. that would have come up then, but it doesn't. Yeah. So it's, it, it is a retcon. This but is definitely a retcon. Yeah. It totally works because you're right. It's totally believable that would be the reaction of her parents if she were to suddenly start saying she's fighting vampires and burn down a school. And to me, it actually informs the premise of the entire show where what makes Buffy special is that she have fr- has friends that help her out with right. her job. Right. And it must what a relief that must have been for Buffy to be able to share this with people and have them right. believe her when there's right. this whole, re- whole past that she has where no one believed her and institutionalized right. her because of it. I mean... The fact that it never gets brought up, the fact that Giles never mentions it or isn't aware, like all of that, and that Willow is just now hearing about it, that's the part that I find a little false. But yes, agreed. It's definitely... But it works yes. <laughs> for me at the same time, so I'm okay with it. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I do also feel like this is a little bit meant to be sort of a rock bottom for Buffy in, in this season. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that, because there is also this whole point where... Like, like we've been saying, I mean, she must be in a really dark place for this alternate reality to seem like a good option for her, right? Like, the fact that anybody would kind of choose that, like, what would be better is if none of this had ever happened and, not, and everything that I had been telling myself for six years was a complete lie and a, and a piece of my imagination is, like, a pretty rough spot maybe to be in. It is, um, but I also kind of give her the benefit of the doubt because she is yes, she's being informed by her emotions and these feelings she's been having all season, but also she's not in her right mind. So that's true. That's true. I mean, that's her true. ability to Very kind of fight through the fog and like make like informed is, is rational decisions sure. is gone. Yeah. So that's what um, I'm thinking while she's literally watching her friends be attacked by this monster. She's attacked all of her friends first and trust them up right. on the basement floor. Like this is yeah. not a Buffy <laughs> that is in the right headspace to be making any kind of decisions regardless it's of true. her emotional state. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I think the, uh, but the other thing, sorry, this isn't exactly where I was going with this before, but I, I think the other interesting thing that this episode does draw on is how removed Buffy has been from everybody and from not just from her, like, she's been removed from her life, but she has specifically been pretty distant from her friends and from her family in this season as well. And I feel like that this demon and these feelings are also really capitalizing on that, where it's like, it's not just that, like, oh, wouldn't it be better if my parents were still together and my mom were still alive? But it's also like she is increasingly detached from this world anyway because of how she's been and because of her everything that's happened to her between the last season and this one and everything that's happened in this season where it, that also feels like yeah, it's not just that she's so sad that this other reality seems better. She's also like really not connecting with anyone around her. So it makes sense that something else could step in and kind of feel more real than it is. No, I think that's a great call out. I think Buffy herself even kind of says that she's been feeling detached. And I think you're right that that makes her even more susceptible to this because she has, she doesn't have the super strong connections with, or they're all reality. fading. Or they're, yeah. or they're more afraid. I mean, like, it's it's yeah. ironic that it happens in this episode where we see Buffy more connected to Willow and Xander than she has right, been right, right. Yes, in a yes. while. You know, we yeah. go from this, like, cozy beginning where they're trying to cheer up Xander to, like, Buffy susceptible to this because of her detachment. But, but I think that's also true where momentary 
changes in your relationships or like a return to normal brief, however brief it might be, maybe doesn't correct for months of distance and detachment. I think that's actually a really good point to make that, you know, Buffy's kind of in the perfect place for this. And and also I think as annoying as I found it, I do think you're now convincing me that like Dawn's reaction is perhaps a little more legitimate where... Oh, I definitely think her reaction is legitimate. Because what I questioned was like, and now I'm wondering if it's like maybe Dawn doesn't actually understand the reality that Buffy is dealing with with through the poison, but totally, like Dawn yeah. keeps telling her like that's your ideal reality, and like I, it's weird that Dawn would think Buffy's ideal reality is a mental ward. Like that's the stuff right. that makes Dawn seem super young. But she's like, oh, she'd she rather knows. be there than with me. Yeah. But like now I'm wondering, one, does Dawn know the reality that Buffy's dealing with? Because Willow's really the only one that she I, yeah. Tells. We never see her and really two, explain it. The thing that legitimizes Dawn's reaction for me is this idea that Buffy has been detached. So why wouldn't Dawn think that she'd rather be anywhere Well, else? and also I didn't, this didn't occur to me until just now, but that, this is actually probably, again, you're right that we don't, honestly this episode probably would have been better served by a few of these scenes, but we don't really see what Dawn is witnessing actually in front of her. So we know that maybe Willow has let her in on a little bit of it. I doubt that Willow goes into a lot of detail because we don't, even exactly know how, well, I guess we see Buffy go into a a bit of detail with Willow, but I just mean to say, this is exactly what we saw Buffy do to Dawn last season, which is look her in the eye and say, you don't exist. (laughs) So like, this is also probably, this is specifically a problem that the two of them have had in the past. Like this is already a challenge that they've had to work through in their relationship is that Buffy realizes that she's not real in season five. And it's true sort of, but now they should have really moved past this, but I can definitely see why Dom would be super sensitive to her sister staring at her in her bedroom and saying, Hey, you're not here. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like this is literally a thing that has happened before. And, and, and I think that you're right that like, I really don't think Dawn is, is hearing you know she's not watching the episode the way that we are she's not seeing Buffy in this other reality all she's hearing is her say out loud to her mom like oh yeah I made up that sister you know what I mean like I I can definitely see where she's coming from and frankly everybody I mean Buffy says the same she is really really hurtful to everybody in this episode I mean I think Don gets the (laughs) gets the worst of it but Spike is not saved from it either and nor are anybody who as you said I appreciate your use of the word trust she literally trusts on her friends in the basement and feeds them to a demon like nobody is getting out of this yeah when she trips Tara coming down the stairs (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's rough I was like oh no like yeah although I mean okay She's mean to Spike, but, like, is this really the time for Spike to be giving Buffy ultimatums? I don't know, but, like... It's not, and I hated that whole scene, to be honest. I mean, I don't think that's a surprise. But I think what... (laughs) Yes, it's not a good time. Again, questionable what he really knows is going on. Um, well, I wish I had written down something, something that she said to him, though. I really thought, like, oh, that was a low blow. I don't remember. I, to, I, I just remember, like, it seemed like he knew more about what was happening with her than he should have given what he said to her. So, like, he was like, if you don't tell your friends, I will. Like, yeah, she's literally I don't think that having, was a good line. she's, like, basically yeah, she's going like, insane from demon poison, and he's, like, upset because her friends don't know that they were sleeping together. Like, okay, yeah. Spike, yeah. you could take that elsewhere. <laughs> That's true. My notes are unsurprisingly not that helpful. <laughs> I have quite a few about this one, but I, I can't figure out exactly what I was thinking of 
with that interaction that really bothered me, but I don't know. I guess it is just her. And I think what I don't like is them again, kind of trying to use their relationship as this, like, that's the thing that makes her ultimately choose that she would, doesn't want to take the antidote and that she'd rather live in this other world. I do feel like they were sort of trying to be like, that's the breaking point. That's the thing that she really can't handle is the fact that she had this relationship with Spike. And I just like, it's just, it's just hard. It's hard to know what their relationship really has been and what Buffy really thinks about it because I, and, and, and how culpable Spike is or isn't because I just feel like they've just been so sloppy with what that actual story is and who these people and their characterizations are. So I feel like that was kind of, I, it annoyed me that they tried to use Spike as this impetus for her to really, to really, um, what's, what's the word to really just decide to live in this other world. But I, you're right. That was really frustrating. And I felt that when she was chasing Dawn around the house and saying, it can't be real because why would I choose to sleep with this person? And like, instead of saying, it can't be real, why would I choose to have my mother be dead? Why would I choose to have to fight monsters all the time? Why would I choose this life? Why would I come like bring this up? She's saying like, the thing that can't be real is that she would sleep with Spike. You're right. I forgot that that was like, her yeah, point. That, and that, that, that is, is really irritating because we know Buffy views that as a low point, but also but I because just don't we buy that lo- that would be the main emotional crux for Buffy. And it and is a low point. And now, sorry, I'm getting my memories back. <laughs> I'm getting my memories back as I speak. But like the last interaction that we saw Buffy and Spike have was this sort of friendly one at Xander's wedding, where it seemed like they yeah. were both like struggling but moving on. And so to have her be like it meant nothing to me. It was the worst decision of my life. It's just so clearly not true for her, you know, or, or it is true, but they can't have it both ways. It has to be one or the other. (laughs) I I feel like you can't, they can't have these tender moments where they're sort of on the same, or I mean, or maybe I'm being just too fangirly about it. And, and and like, I understand that in real, the real world relationships can be very, very complicated, but I just really feel like the show is like in a show, you don't get as many chances to be, so nuanced that if you're going to be nuanced, you have to really nail it and they're not. No. And I think it's because they're not nailing it because they're trying to use the nuance to like be wishy-washy about what they want to do. Like it's, it's a a really, it's just a flat device every single week. Like, okay, this week we need Buffy to hate Spike. Now this week we need to be okay because he needs to come in at a pivotal moment and help her. Like there's no consistency whatsoever. And all the inconsistency (laughs) seems directly related to like serve the needs of the plot, which is extremely annoying. It's very plot forward and not character driven. And that is annoying. So yes, you're right. That was why I was sort of on Spike's side, but you're right that it's like, then he gives her this crazy ultimatum. The whole thing doesn't make any sense. I really don't like it, but, but yeah, so, so definitely they're not getting everything right in this episode. I agree with you overall. Overall, I think this is a better version of this kind of thing than might be done in another show. Trust Um, me, it's better than the charm. (laughs) I... Okay, so so just some kind of other, I don't, some other nitpicks. What the hell are these demons' powers? (laughs) Like, how, is it, is it always the same vision that everyone gets and it hits Buffy particularly hard because this is something that she's had before or is it that it somehow has a magical power to make you live your worst nightmare? Like, that's so ephemeral. That's That's what I think it is because I was thinking about that too. Like, does this demon make everybody think they've been living in a mental institution or is it a personalized And like, how could that even be a power? Like, or it's either your worst nightmare or maybe the thing that could like most convince you that this reality is real. I don't really buy that. (laughs) of power (laughs) 
You know, like, I feel like spells and magic have to still have some sort of grounding that, like, you can't just cast a spell that's like, it's the best spell ever because I did it. (laughs) You know, like, I I don't buy it as a power. I'm, it's not enough to make the episode fall apart for me or anything, but I definitely, that is a quibble of, like, what exactly is going on here? I would buy that if it's the power (laughs) is that it poisons you and as a reaction, your body constructs whatever reality you're most susceptible to because it also sounded like, or it seemed to be the thing that seemed to happen was that it's also a defense mechanism for the demon, not only to harm its prey, but also like then Buffy was protecting the demon. So right, yeah, I don't know. You're right. I guess like, I, it's very <laughs> ill-defined. It's very thin, <laughs> but fine. My much much bigger quibble in this episode is that when Buffy decides she's not going to take the antidote, she throws her the mug she pours it into the trash can in her next to her bed even if you had that lined it's just a recipe for a mess and also for evidence like everybody would just see it there you see the bathroom is right down the hall but if you pour it down a drain let's take a moment and remember that I could almost not every with week that. jenny talks about doing chores so <laughs> she's really, very really upset about not, potentially you, there, not just has to be a tiny hole properly. in the trash liner for that to just be a whole mess that was like sludge it wasn't just water or tea or something <laughs> that like would be easy to mop up. It was sludge. Yes, you're right. That really got to I me. I did though. question why but she it's was also just putting so it in illogical. the trash can instead of just pour like it down the sink. drain. Yeah. Exactly. It, and my For cleanliness me, issues aside, like, Willow's it leaves see evidence. This and know exactly. That you didn't take the antidote. Exactly. This is just leaving a trail. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Buffy should be smarter than that, even in a little adult state. <sighs> um, okay. So. I want to know, did you like the meta commentary on the plot mechanics? You know, in my notes I said I did, but I don't know if I did. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's just very basic. I thought it was funny, though, because they were basically calling out, I think at that point, all the complaints about the season. Like That's true. They were I like, felt very it's aware. Been strange, like she's been you know, almost lazy about it. Like, there's no villains, there's new characters, there's it all did these <laughs> Yeah, and this no, whole that's episode very itself true. was a bit of a retcon, so I thought it was kind of funny. I did think it, you're right, that you're right, you're right, that it is very specific to like what must have been the fan reactions at the time. Yeah, like she's I downgraded do from a god to like three nerds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. And even just the whole thing about like her sister, who was a ball of energy, was <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, what? What was Basically that? Basically created story? A, exactly. a sister out of nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,. And also the fact that, like, I love the call-out that basically the ripple effects that creating a sister meant she had to go back and, like, retcon her entire story. Right, right, right. (laughs) It's true. So this is sort of just another... This isn't super specific to the plot of this episode, but I did start out with this... And maybe this is something that the episode did really well. At the beginning of this episode, Xander finally comes back, and it's, like, very... It's tough. You know, they're kind of, like... I think Buffy and Willow are being very fair about it. Like, they're definitely sympathetic because he's their friend, but they're also not, like, mincing words about the state that Anya was in and kind of the consequences of what he's did and that sort of thing. And I thought that was, like, a nice scene. But then we move on to this scene where they're maybe slaying. It was a little unclear what Buffy was even doing in the graveyard. I guess just general slaying. But why were, why was Willow, why were Willow and Xander walking through there? But whatever. I guess it's just, it turned into this scene where they all run into Spike and then Xander is just actually 
acknowledges that he's just being mean to Spike for the sake of it because he just feels so bad and like he's somebody that he can kind of he thinks he can kind of guilt free take all of his bad feelings out on. And I was like, man, this sure is making Xander look bad. But the sort of funny reaction that I had at the very end of this episode was like, man, now that Buffy tied up all of her friends and tried to feed them to a demon, maybe Xander's actions don't look that bad. (laughs) And like, oddly, I was like, oh, I get like early in the episode, Buffy kind of said like, well, we all make mistakes. And I was like, way to put that to the test immediately. (laughs) Like, yes. (laughs) So I guess I'm just saying that I can understand why they would be quick to forgive Xander because maybe much worse has already happened. They've all done much worse than <laughs> They've all leave done someone worse. at the altar. It's true. Although yeah. my confusion about that scene was that Xander is like, no, I, I still want to date Anya, but he yeah. pretty definitively dumped her. Like yeah. he was like, we can't start over. We can't, yeah. like this is it. And then now he's like, oh, I just didn't want to marry her. And it's like, I'm sorry. Literally, if we're looking at these episodes, and we look at a continuum of scene to scene, like Xander dumps her, and then almost entirely the next scene is him saying, "No, I still want to date her." So yeah. that was. I mean, kind I think he's annoying. meant to have changed his mind a little bit, but you're right. But he doesn't admit that he told her, like, because he's like, "Why would she go? I still want to date her." And it's right, like because right, you told right. her you didn't. Yeah. Very annoying. It's true. That is annoying. And also, like, could he be more of a cliche? I know. <laughs> of like a guy who can't commit. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's not the most original story they've ever told. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. Everything doesn't have to be super original, but it was still a little bit like, well, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Speaking of slightly unoriginal, um, do you want to talk about the ending? Yeah, I do. Oh, and you're right. And that was like actually a perfect segue because it almost undoes kind of the goodwill of this episode. It does Not the entire, the goodwill. Ep- entire yeah. episode. And nor- normally, I think in my, in my memory, I was always like, oh yeah, I like that episode because they sort of play with this idea, but it's totally clear in the end that it wasn't real. <laughs> and that was like, oh, they definitely do the opposite. <laughs> Why would they do that? Okay, that's my Why problem with it. Ignore, like, I just ignore that last scene because yeah. that's so stu- it's so stupid. What's the purpose? Was it the writer saying, oh, let's have a little fun with the audience, but at the expense of the story because the whole episode only works because of this whole emotional arc that Buffy goes through and her decision to embrace her real life even though it's messy and, you know, she's struggling and all of this. But then at the very end to have her dead mother be watching her and have them be like, we lost her. Yeah. It implies a separate reality that actually exists, which undoes everything and is honestly so frustrating. I mean, I guess there's this part of me that wants to say like, I guess we know that there are multiple realities in this world and you know, this, that maybe that is a real one and it's just not the one that we're in. But I don't like it. But I they think don't it do is, a good job if that's what it's supposed to be. They do no, no work to set that I up. I don't think it is supposed to be. I think it just supposed to kind of be a little jab and a little joke and a like, huh, what if? It's like very... It's not like it's just the very, end of Inception where the top keeps spinning, okay? That makes sense. Sort of this is like... Does it? <laughs> this is like... That annoys me too. Something that just like they did on a whim and makes no sense. I guess I just think it's very... Like this whole this whole episode is like really writing a thin line, you know, between being too tropey and being a, an interesting take in an interesting episode of Buffy. And I think that is definitely, it's what's, what's the word? Um, juvenile is the word that keeps coming into my head, but that's not the right word. Um, 
it's just very 101, you know, it's just very like, haha. And then the whole thing was a dream. Like that is a bad cliche for a reason. And I don't really know why they decided to peddle it, <laughs> especially because before that we had this really, I think, touching scene where Buffy in the institution reality looks at her mom and says like, I'm sorry, I have to go. And I thought that was like, yes. I really resent that this is the final time that we get to see Joyce. And it's in this super painful moment when we already kind of went through this whole thing with her. But at the same time, I thought, like I said, like Joyce, Joyce being in this episode is the, is the thing that I think is really saving it from being a bad cliche. And the fact that they undo that scene also in the same episode was like, you guys really are. They just did that to be jerks. Yeah. <laughs> and no, to be you're stupid. absolutely right. Like, like, like they silly. take the one emotional crux of the episode that makes the episode work. And then they completely erase it and undo it with the ending, which only seems to be done for fun. I think they just did it for fun. Yeah. Because it's never, it's, it's not as though, and I don't think viewers are really, maybe for the week, you are kind of left with this thought like, oh, is this whole thing in my head? But like, what does that even mean in terms of a television show? <laughs> like, of course, the whole thing's in your head. Like, it's not like a, it's not like a good thesis. It's not a good point that they're making. Like, they're not like zinging us. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, so this whole thing was fake, but like, the whole thing is fake. <laughs> Also, I guess what I'm saying is it's also sort of undoing the meta commentary. Yeah. Of like, yeah, I know. I get it. But you can't try and tell me this whole show has been a work of fiction because that's already actually reality (laughs) for me, the viewer. So I definitely think that was a poor choice. I'm not on board. So I I agree with you. Like, I think I'll just choose to not watch that scene. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Well, that's. Oh, I didn't also mention that there was like this brief and we've kind of seen this in the wedding episode and in this episode too, that Tara and Willow are like talking again and oh, like right. in touch again. And then there was sort of this whole thing where Willow was like going to try and actually go talk to Tara and not maybe, I don't know if it was ex- explicitly to get back together or if she just kind of wanted to start, you know, laying the groundwork, but, um, so to speak, but then she sees Tara like kiss some other girl on the cheek and she decides that like, oh, that must be she's with somebody else and then she's like really sad about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm only angry that about that storyline because I know where it's going. So just Mm -hmm, (laughs) like, okay, I'm not, I'm choosing to not get emotionally involved. (laughs) (laughs) It's fair. (laughs) That was a good deus ex terra line though, wasn't it? Yes. I actually really liked that. (laughs) (laughs) That was something I wrote in my notes also. I didn't come up with that. I was going to say, was that the thing that you actually thought about? (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, that was my actual reaction in the moment and I typed it out, but I was like planning to say it. Because it was a little bit, I was like, how are they going to get out of this? And they're just like, oh, why is Tara there? Whatever. I'm not going to question it. It's the least of my problems in an episode where Buffy's pouring liquids into a trash can, so... (laughs) (laughs) anyway all right well let's move on let's journey into the world of angel (laughs) yeah let's talk about forgiving oh boy um (laughs) i i i don't know i don't know that that's ever happened that we talked about angel more than buffy but i don't want to promise that that might happen i guess i had a lot i don't think it's gonna happen i don't you don't so it's gonna be a (laughs) one-sided conversation so it probably won't be very long but i have mental notes but they're not really about the specifics of this episode so much as just general reactions to like yeah i don't know how much we need to touch on some of it because i think it's a continuation of stuff we've been saying all along it's true um 
on that so note, t- I tell me what happened. Yeah, I should get into it because I'm gonna start talking about it. But um, okay, so as we know, <laughs> in the last episode, uh, Wesley kidnapped Connor, and before he could take him away, he was intercepted by Justine, who slit his throat and then gave the baby to Holtz who jumped into the Korchath dimension with the baby and the portal closed behind him and Angel sort of let that happen because he had this choice of giving Connor either to Holtz or Wolfram and Hart but either either way the baby's gone we see the beginning of this episode Angel is obviously devastated that Connor is gone and everybody's trying to kind of pick up the pieces and figure out like what the hell just happened so Mm -hmm. Fred and Gunn don't even know at this point so they're out trying to figure out why Wesley would have taken the baby so they're at Wesley's apartment trying to find any clues as to like what his state of mind would be if they could try to find him they come back to the hotel and they find out that actually no Connor's gone Holtz took him into this other dimension um and so again now Fred and Wesley realize that they need to try to find Wesley before Angel does because obviously Angel is going to kill Wesley because they don't mm-hmm. know how the baby ended up with Holtz so they assume that Wesley for some reason took the baby and gave him to Holtz. Yeah. Um they go to Wesley's like I said they don't find Wesley even though they walk pretty much right over his body bleeding out in the grass yeah. um yeah. where Justine left him after she slit his throat. Meanwhile, Angel has kidnapped the Wolfram and Hart dude, uh, Lila's boss, because he Mm -hmm. assumes that Wolfram and Hart must be the ones who have information and also know how to open this portal. So he's essentially trying to torture him into doing that. This leads him to Sajan, the mysterious demon who's been ringleading this whole thing the whole time Mm -hmm. and we don't know. Um, He finds a way to make Sajan corporeal and... They perform the ritual. Sajan comes into existence in the middle of a city street, causes a traffic accident, mayhem, whatever. Um, yeah. They all end up back at Holtz's lair where Sajan finds them and kind of tells Angel, like, you know what? Like, this wasn't even really about you. All it was was about me. Like, I... I'm a time demon, so I saw a prophecy about myself, how your son was going to grow up and kill me, so I changed the prophecy so that you thought that you would kill him, or someone thought that you would kill him, and so thus leading to this whole thing, and Holtz was basically just a pawn, Um, Mm -hmm. although Holtz was a disappointment because obviously he was only out for petty revenge on Angel, shouldn't have been a surprise, but he was. sure. Um, Yeah, and meanwhile, Justine has tried to do a last gasp effort to fulfill the mission and get her crew to take out Angel, but that pretty much leads nowhere, so not really worth mentioning. So at the end of the episode, they all figure out that Wesley was operating off of this prophecy. He was terrified that Angel was going to kill Connor because he did everything in his power to try to find sources disproving the prophecy. He couldn't. He went to the Oracle, like the hamburger dude, all this stuff, and figured out, no, it can't be helped. Angel's going to hurt Connor. And he knew that that would devastate Angel, so he took the baby. And Fred and Gunn are piecing this all together, trying to tell Angel that Wesley thought he was doing the right thing and that, you know, he should forgive him because that's, you know, Lauren is saying that's how you're going to forgive yourself for letting this happen. And Angel kind of nods long and says, yeah, you know, you're right. Like, he was doing what he thought was best and let's go to the hospital and, and go see him. And... 
then Angel goes into Wesley's room and he's like, hey, you know that I would never do that. I would never kill my own son. You know that I'm not Angelus. I'm Angel. You understand that it's Angel who's talking to you. And Wesley's like nodding. Yes, yes. And then Angel tries to kill Wesley. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and that's yes. the part where I almost threw my computer across the room. Yep. 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 <laughs> I actually said something less uh, podcast-friendly, so... Yeah. <laughs> Let's just I, say I was very angry, because <laughs> I forgot that that happened, and we were just talking about plot for plot's sake yes. instead of character, and... Angel is the worst offender. Angel, yes. the character, is the worst offender at that. He has Wesley no character because he only serves the plot. He does. He's like not even a real being. And I have to say, I wish I had come up with... This is where I was like, I wish I had had more time to, like, research and refresh my memory and, like, come up with better terms for this. But this show is just a prime example of toxic masculinity, and I don't feel like they're doing anything to deconstruct it. And that's where I was, like, kind of lost my cool a little bit with the end of this one because I was like, I don't care. I don't care about Angel proving himself or whatever these turns, like we've seen him do all this before. So it's boring. It's boring to watch people just be aggressive, you know, with kind of no consideration for why the whys and the where's and the what's, I don't know. I just like, they're so underserving the emotional, ele- the emotional backstory to these big blowups. And they're just focused on having the blowups and it's like not good. It's not good enough on its own. I was like, God, we spent so much time with Justine I don't care. I don't like her. We wasted a lot of time with Holtz. We wasted a lot of time with that demon. All of that could have been, or any of that could have been spent with Angel and Wesley or Wesley and Connor or Angel and Connor. And they totally skip over all that stuff so that we feel like this has been a big betrayal to Angel. But truthfully, I kind of, Wesley, not, not too unlike Buffy, he feels pretty distant from the rest of the group. I know that he's really cerebral and I never saw him really connect with Connor. And it's been a while since he's connected with Angel. So like, this doesn't feel like the big betrayal that they're trying to portray it as. You're right? totally right. It's, it's and like, I, what is this? You, you, okay, I have a lot to respond because I Sorry, just, I know. That no, was longer be, than No, I, because <laughs> you just literally said all the right things. So I was just thinking all the way back to... A few episodes ago, when we were talking about, wouldn't it be nice if Angel and Wesley just, had, just a conversation? had a conversation? Yes, I was thinking that yes. same thing. And why don't they just have a talk yes, like adults? That would be great, but <laughs> but it points to a greater problem of this season as a whole: is that the last time we saw any of these characters interact in a way that felt organic and meaningful, other than okay, to be fair, this season they've been doing great work with Angel and Cordelia, but I think it's at true. the expense and of every other relationship because the last time we saw Angel and Wesley interact in any kind of meaningful, real way was in Pylea. Yes, and yes, that and was also almost an who's entire conspicuously ago. who's conspicuously missing from this whole yes subplot and you're right, is Cordelia. She's on one of the Holtz. only emotional cores of the show. Yes, and she's not even in these episodes. And no, you've had Holtz, you've had Sajan, you've had all this nonsense that all these new people that have no character arcs other than revenge, revenge, revenge. And like, we don't even care why we've never even seen Angel and Wesley meaningfully interact this entire season other. And then Wesley is so desperately killing himself trying to disprove this theory. He's, so obviously like fatigued and stressed he's done nothing but try to like figure out this problem 
to the point where I actually, up until the very end, I mean, we were just talking about in Buffy how the ending undercut that entire episode, and I felt yes. the same here because same. I literally wrote in my notes, I was like, I love that everyone by the end of this has an understanding of why this happened, how they yes. got played, and that Wesley isn't the villain because it could so easily be this superficial, shallow, frustrating experience where they're vilifying <laughs> Wesley for exactly. doing what he thought because none of them are communicating. And I was like, the fact that Fred and Gunn spend the entire episode trying to find a reason why Wesley would do this yes, and that this they is succeed, so touching. and yeah. that at the end of it, like they're like, oh, sh- like we got played. Like this is like not our fault, and it's not Wesley's fault. And then at the very end, the show decides. You know, what would be more fun to watch if, if Angel just, just went in and tried it. to smother Wesley because totally. he's pissed. And I'm like, totally. You just undid everything that was good about this episode. They did. They totally did. And you're right. And you know who else? We've talked about him getting the short stretch repeatedly, but like Lauren. Lauren's conversation with Angel was so good. Lauren yes. is such like he's not just an empath demon that they throw around all the time, but like he truly is one of the only voices of like emotional reason on the show. And like to have he's constantly calling everybody out. I mean, that's his whole role. And but it's not it's so frustrating because on the one hand, it's like, well, Angel just counts everything that he says constantly, and that's super, super annoying. But the show also just counts everything that he's saying, and that's also it's equally annoying. It's like, he's just this weird servant that they don't give enough time to. And then he says everything that he says makes sense and would be actionable and should be actionable. And instead, they just throw him in the sidelines again. And it's like, why do you even have this character if you're just going to ignore him all the time? Also, what is the whole point of building up character over seasons if you're just going to do this? So, like, the other thing that exactly. I was thinking is the same thing. Lauren, the they same? should listen to Lauren by now. Like, Lauren should be a trusted voice of reason, and they just, like, disregard him whenever they want to. Also, the fact that Wesley has built I, up enough cred with his team exactly. over the seasons th- to the point where Fred and Gunn, who are thinking slightly more rationally, immediately give, or at least Fred, give him the benefit Fred, of the for doubt sure. that he must have had reasons and Gunn yes. comes around over the course of the episode because he does. he's really seeing it. And you think that it works. You think that Angel's doing it as well. And now, okay, to be fair to Angel, much like Buffy, he's not really in his right mind. Like, he's had a fair. shock and a trauma. Of course. And, of course. But Angel also has been alive for over 200 years, he should be able to analyze and sift through a situation and yeah. he might not he like Wesley's choice and actions. Like yeah. he, should, he might not agree that, that Wesley should have believed the prophecy or that those were the only like actions available to Wesley. But when it becomes super well, clear that it's not Wesley's fault that Holt's got the baby, that Wesley yeah. almost died in this process of trying to save Connor's life, yeah. that... Angel's here's, reaction is just un, like unbelievable. Here's the other, here's the other in, real big, unbelievable real big flaw. Word, honestly, and maybe they'll address this, but I don't think so. So Angel's whole reason why he's not forgiving Wesley, or at least one of the reasons why he's not forgiving him, is because according to Angel, Angel could never hurt his own child. Oh please! And then his reaction to that is to try and murder Wesley. So I'm sorry, Angel, if I don't believe you. But first of all. Not only are you super, you live on the the finest of lines where at any moment you could become an actual terror demon. And we've literally seen that happen. And half the people in your immediate circle have witnessed that and what it does to everybody. So first of all, it is, and, and, and 
to be fair, for most of the time, Angel has himself really grappled with that dynamic in himself. That he could at any moment become something that he can't control seems to be something that he has in the past been really afraid of. Also, so, may I interject, lest we yes. forget literally an episode ago, he was drinking Connor's blood and saying yeah. he smelled like food. So, yeah. so hello. he can be manipulated and he knows that he can be manipulated. He knows that he's this weapon that Wolfram and Hart has spent three years trying clearly Wolfram and Hart is invested in him because he can be, he's so powerful and he can, they, they don't seem to have any trouble getting him into the places that they want him to be. So first of all, his whole thing is shot because he will at the, with, with not that much. I mean, I don't want to say that this wasn't like a lot of effort on everybody's behalf, but like without that much prodding, he will murder his best friend (laughs) and he's already half a demon who could at any moment go off. And more importantly, I, just lost my train of thought, but uh, I forget. I just, it just really annoys me that Angel, oh, I know what I was going to say. And the, the really, really, really annoying part about this particular turn in character is that it is exactly the same thing that we already watched last season with Darla. Is that like all of a sudden Angel is not himself and it's not because he's a demon and he's angelic. It's just because he's Angel and he's like, he's not always in control of his emotions. So it's like, you are just... Not only is this a pretty poor storyline, but we've already done it. Thank you for bringing up that storyline, though, because Angel is making the same exact calculation that Wesley made, where he's like, this is for the greater good. Forget the rest of you. I don't care that I hurt your feelings or I did something that you don't agree with or I fired you and all this stuff. It's because I have to do this thing and I won't be able to do it in any other way. Well, that's basically what Wesley did. Like, he was like, I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings and kidnapped your son, but I actually thought you might kill him and all signs were pointing to the fact that you were going to do this because, oh, by the way, prophecies tend to come true on this show. So They've been living three years in search of the same, like, angel trying to fulfill a prophecy. So, like, how dare angel poo-poo one that Wesley worked so hard to translate and worked so hard to, to work for? And I agree. Like, how could he not even give him the benefit of the doubt of having a conversation with him about what did you do before you decided to come to this move? And to, to your real point, though, honestly, they the fact that neither of them are mature enough to have this just have had this conversation a week ago is just infuriating and that's the part where I'm just like I don't want to just be a buzzword but like how is this not just the the ultimate depiction of toxic masculinity but the show doesn't think that they're like they're not making a point about like how silly it is when men don't just talk and have emotions but like it is is why it's so frustrating to watch because like they're not aware of it at all yeah, it's just what I they think is a good, compelling drama, and it's not. It's so annoying. <laughs> I think that's a great point to make because I don't want to let, let Wesley off the hook. Like I don't, I don't either. I yeah. don't think that. Like I do think that he made the best decision that he thought he could make, but I also don't understand why that wasn't his last resort. Whereas yes. the first option should have been, "Hey, Angel, I really don't want to have to tell you this. I've been doing everything I can to try to disprove yes. it, but I need you to know this prophecy that I found that says that you might kill Connor. What do you think we should do about it?" Like, yes. I don't know. That seems like they, a common courtesy. Like maybe talk and it to also the parents. Feels, it feels like it just would have made for better drama because then we could have watched them argue about what the right thing to do is and then ha- I think we talked about this last week, but like to have um, Wesley still decide that this was the right move. I think it just would have How had so much, much more, more weight would if that Angel been? had even known he was having these thoughts in the first place. Like, It would feel yeah. way more like a betrayal if they had talked it about would. it and agreed to take a different course of action and then Wesley did it anyway. But to yeah. not even talk to Angel about it, it... It yeah. kind of undercuts, everything in this episode undercuts the whole thing. Like, Angel's actions at the end undercut the idea of the show for recognizing, 
like Wesley had his reasons. Wesley not talking to Angel and just doing this undercuts the whole idea of like this was the last resort. Like, yeah, and then does. also I agree having Holt and Justine involved is just nonsense and <laughs> just like, garbage. <laughs> and the demon too. And unnecessary. I also like I mean, how Sajan he... is like, it's I, okay. I will say, yeah. I actually think that it is a good twist that the prophecy was fake and that yes, the whole reason is because Sajan was like manipulating it. And, and I actually don't mind that Sajan's motivation because angels, like I've it's never so heard petty. of this guy, like whatever, that yeah. his motivation tended to be from the future and that it's yeah. like because of what Connor will do sure. to him. I'm actually okay with all of that, but the whole depiction of how that plays out of like bringing in Holtz and like, and, and then Why also waste because so much if time. Sajan is really the master behind this whole thing, we've barely seen him in yeah, like the whole season and the whole time we've been focused on Holtz. And honestly, Holtz is a red herring. Who cares? Like, yeah. Also, Justine is... I and don't the, even care. And Justine's storyline was so, like... She's just in an abusive relationship with Holtz, and they, like, sort of pay a little bit of lip service to it, and that's the extent of it. And it was just like, I don't get any pleasure out of watching this. It's not fun for me to watch this woman be in a terrible relationship where she's clearly, like, she's dependent on him, he's abusing her, he's taking advantage of her, he's manipulating her, he's promising her all these things. Like, everything about it is really ugly. And because it... it like, on the one hand, they waste a lot of time with them, but on the other hand, they don't spend enough time with them for that to be its own drama. So instead, it's just this, like, cheap thing in the background that is supposed to make us feel something, and all it does is irritate me. Yeah. So, to go back. <laughs> <laughs> and not really to go back, but I... It is not a stretch to say, though, as much as... Yes, I, I mean... Our complaints are well-registered, I'm sure. <laughs> um, and I'm not just saying this to, like, say something nice about the episode, but Fred and Gunn were great. Lauren yes. was great. And I have to say that when we saw the first shot of Wesley in the hospital bed, like, not being able to talk, like, Alexis Denisoff literally doesn't even have any words, and I almost got, like, a tear in my eye. I was like, oh, my God, he is in such a bad place. <laughs> but, like, emo- like, he really... I really felt for Wesley. So I don't want to say, like, we've talked about all these things that have gone wrong. It's all with Angel. And I really still think that, like, I wish we had gotten more time with Wesley. But Wesley's specific actual story for himself, I still find very compelling. Yes, like, I this do is believe why that I... he's made the right, he did what he meant to. And I just, it is such a tr- tragedy that we didn't spend more time with him developing this. But even without doing that, I am still... I still believe him. You know what I mean? Like I believe his character and I believe, I believe his character's turn. I believe in him. Yes. I yes, I just that like too. <laughs> I don't know if I said this recently because I have said before that Wesley's character arc is my favorite. Uh, yes. probably across both Buffy and Angel. Yeah. Um I don't like how it comes about, but I do agree with you that everything happening with Wesley is still amazing and Alexis Denisoff is killing it. He is and so good. Everyone like, else how is doing great. Do and I, I think that it just continues to be the case that Angel is the weak link in his own show. He is. And if only the show writers would just acknowledge well, that and stop writing him as the lead character, it would be great. Yeah. Or like, what if this was like, you know, we're in season three, so what if they pulled like an OC and they just like killed off their main character? Yeah, it would be great. We could do without him for two more seasons. It's great. Like, yeah. I just, I agree with you. Like, everyone else is great. Fred and Gunn, amazing. I love Fred, Fred in so this episode. Good. You're, like, you're she's so just, right. like, yeah. single-mindedly she on Wesley's side so because hard. she just cannot believe that Wesley wouldn't have had good reasons. And, and, and it's I so also much think more that logical it, yeah, And I think when we're talking about character arc, like, yes. it, it pays off because, yes, 
what Fred is logical and reasoned and she's displaying that here, but also Fred and Wesley have a bond and yes. whether Fred is returning his romantic affections right now, she's not. And like Wesley's struggling with that, but their history still comes into play where yes, she knows Wesley and she knows that this is not something that he would do without yes. good reason. Yes. And she also refuses to believe that he would have willingly given up the baby to Holtz. Yes. All of I that agree. is so satisfying. And that's why and I just hate the end of this so much. Yes. And you know what, you know what else was a good like callback and and wasn't a cheap callback, I don't think, was like getting to see Fred's reaction to yes. finding out what happened to Connor because she was like, he must have been so scared because she knows that she as an adult was so terrified to go through that. And Connor is just a baby. And I felt like it was a really good reminder of it didn't feel cheap and it didn't feel like a plot device to have Fred react to this part of her past because we know that we we have watched her grow and change so much. But like it it was true that I needed to be reminded that like, she still has, that's still part of her story, you know, and that's still part of who she is. And it's never going to not be. And I also love the callback for that, for one, emotionally, but also that was a plot point that I found totally valid was that yes. they're drawing on this history of portals totally. to say, oh, yeah. no big deal. We're going to go get him back to come to find out that that's not they how can't. this works. Yeah. And that yeah. Sajron just like ripped through reality. So I thought that yeah. all served a great purpose. Yes. But also, at the same time, incredibly frustrating because they're using probably potentially their three best episodes in the history of the show to inform the current present, but only yeah. <laughs> that only serves to really point out how terrible, like yeah. how terribly this was executed. Yeah. I'm I trying just, to say something nice, and I think that's all I've got is that well, the, the Cordelia should have been in this episode. I don't know have. what was going on behind the scenes that they wrote her out for three episodes but it's not doing the show any favors. I think maybe it was just that they literally didn't think they could have Angel react this way if Cordelia was there. And I think that that's true, but also like that's the whole reason that Cordelia is part of this team is because she grounds Angel and she is one of the only ones that can speak to him even when he's in these kind of states of emotional panic or whatever. Like, I will it say, just doesn't make sense to me that she wouldn't be there still. Angel, Angel's, Angel's best moment in this whole episode was about it, Cordelia. Yeah. He was trying to tell them that they're going to do this because Can't Cordelia is going this. to come back yeah. from Mexico with presents yeah. for Connor and he is going to be there to receive them. And that it broke did. my heart. It did. But that was about Cordelia, not yeah. Angel. So. But it was also, again, though, this also, like, I really appreciated the way, yes, his, like, kind of logic about that. But at the same time, like, Cordelia is a part of your team and she's an asset to you. And if you're desperate to get your son back, why would you not call on something that is so strong, you know? Yeah, also just general question about the show isn't this the kind of thing cordelia maybe i was just thinking that yes yeah i don't know i don't know i mean unless she's been suppressing them by taking her magical tonic so i don't think that suppresses them i think it just makes it so she can't i that was my understanding i didn't think that it did so i don't know yeah well also has she just been ignoring her visions or has she been calling from mexico like hey go to the corner of yeah such and such street yeah just it's a minor quibble. <laughs> or has it only been a few days? I'm a little bit confused on how much time has passed. Well, it's unclear how long yeah. she's been gone. I mean, I think the, the, the timeline is compressed. Like, I don't think she's really been gone right. for three weeks, but... So, actually, that, that reminds me of another thought that I had watching this, because I've said repeatedly how much I feel like I'm... Maybe not enjoying exactly, but, like, getting a very different experience out of watching Buffy week to week for season six rather than binging it. But I, I think this... Uh, this 
maybe all of Angel, but especially this particular storyline would have really been a lot better watching it quickly one after another because they are really asking a lot of us out of these, you know, like I like like our whole complaint is, is that they're just wasting so much time with people that we don't care about that it's hard to remember even what Angel and Wesley's last react last interaction was. And so I do feel like this is a time when like maybe watching these quickly would have helped some of that stay in my mind a little bit. I think you're right because I think about this a lot while we've been watching this time is that you and I watched this thinking that too. Yeah. In like 2010 and we did not have these conversations and, and it might even be that it even nine years later, like our state of mind has changed to the point where like, I mean, the world has changed quite a bit. Like we're all more woke and we're all like, you know, we've also, you and I have had more time to think about these things and like, figure out what we think about them. But also I agree that I think watching it as a, like, uh, you know, binging it versus what we've been doing, you don't have as much time to process the yeah. problems. And then also it smooths them over because you just move yeah. on Yeah, and because this thing. is so plot forward and that, like, watching yes. it quickly. And not yeah. having that advantage this time. Yeah, it's definitely it's making really it harder. pointing out the yeah. fact that, like, I don't think that I will watch that show again. Either. And it has not aged yeah. well at all. This is not a show that carries into 2019 with any kind of ease. No. And, and if anything, it's... It's so disappointing because was, Buffy does it so well. I was just so going to well, say, yeah. And I just... Because my, my reaction, my love for Buffy has only grown out of doing this. I really wasn't sure yeah. if, like, oh, am I going to really just be so sick of that show by the time we're done with this? But I'm not. I really... Even for this, even for the ups and downs, and there are definitely things that I don't think are perfect, but it is such a coherent, well put together show. Like, it's just, it's so much better made than most shows. It's still one of the best shows I've ever watched. Even with, with us trying to break it down and find, like, not complaints, but like trying to nitpick and trying to, you know, analyze it week to week is like, I'm trying, not trying to not like it, but I'm trying really hard to just kind of think about every single thing about it. And it's really holding up. And this one is not. Buffy seems to me to be better from the way we're watching it. And Angel falls apart under scrutiny. Well, maybe once we start watching Angel faster, we'll feel, and when we're not comparing (laughs) it to these episodes of Buffy that like, even at their worst are still so much better that like, maybe it will feel a little bit different. You mentioned this before we started yeah. recording, but I'll, I, I, I am worried about what's I, going to happen when we no longer have And why would anyone listen to us? Just like, this is our hour of complaining about Angel. Like, tune in next week. We'll figure it out. Maybe oh, God. We'll, we'll, we'll have to put a disclaimer We'll have to come up with some other, episode. like, trivia content or something. Like, there, we'll have to come up with some gimmick for our podcast that's like, you might not want to listen to us complain for half an hour about Angel, but then we'll do this other super fun thing. Right? Yeah. Speaking we'll of... Trivia content. I I wouldn't call it trivia, but I did do a little more behind the scenes research on this episode oh, than normal mm-hmm. because I didn't mention it in my recap, but there's a scene where Lila and Angel oh go my God. to the oh white God. room at mm-hmm. Wolfram and Hart and they talk to that little girl and who is fantastic. Like love that oh, character. I don't. No, I, oh, like I, I kind scene. of like that she looked like this sweet little girl and she was just like clearly just Ugh, evil. Been there done that. <laughs> but <laughs> I was charmed, but the the reason I looked into this is because the actress who plays that girl was like, oh, she looks like the girl who's on The Flash, and I knew that this girl on The Flash has a sister who's an actress, so I was like, oh, I wonder which one it is. Turns out it's not the girl on The Flash, it's her younger sister, who has been in like a few, um, she's appeared in like a few shows here and there, but... The interesting thing about her was that I was reading on her IMDb page that she graduated from high school when she was 13. Oh, my God. 
as valedictorian Whoa. and got her like associate's degree at wow. 15 and like is like studying to be like a teacher huh. or something. So I, I don't know if she's still acting, but I was like, she's like a child. That's genius. interesting. Okay, that makes that character slightly better. Yeah, so just a fun fact that I learned. But her, her older sister is a uh, regular on The hmm. Flash, so. Well, that's yeah. funny. I haven't watched that show. Uh, yeah, just a sidebar that I, like this little rabbit hole that I went down. But <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but I, uh, I don't really have anything no. more on this. I just, I guess I'm looking forward to more of the fallout as pertains to like Wesley's yeah, side me of too. things, but uh, just forget yeah. Angel. Okay. But next time we have, um, entropy, entropy and, uh, double or nothing, which looks like a bit of a break from the main this in that it deals with okay. gun. Yeah. That could be interesting. So <clears throat> yeah. Um, and Cordelia is back. Thank God. So yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's not a spoiler. That's like yeah. good news. So <laughs> it's good news for me. I just wanted you to feel better. She's back. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, okay. So do you have any pop culture this well, week? I'm asking you. Yes. <laughs> we already pre-agreed that we both last week forgot about something. Only because of our weird airing schedule that it wasn't quite as current when we were recording last episode. But... Carly Rae, Nip- <laughs> Carly Rae Jepsen has a new album. Try to say new album and Carly Rae Jepsen's name at the same time, and it, it turns out you can't do that. Uh, called Carly <laughs> Renee Jepsen is what you came out with. <laughs> Carly Rae Jepsen has a new album. It's called Dedicated. It rocks. It's great. I love it. I'm still listening I, to it. I love it. Came out to I me, like it to more every time too. I listen to it. And then I, yeah. I read the Pitchfork review on it for, I don't know. I was, I don't know. I was Googling around about it generally. And that was where I ended up. And their reviews always annoy me (laughs) because they're always like come up with the whole point is that they're critiquing things and I get it. But I'm always like, I just want you to tell me how good this thing is. And I don't want to hear about what things you didn't like. So that was my own fault. I shouldn't have read it. But I also am glad that I read it because it sent me down this really weird rabbit hole. Speaking of, um, where apparently one of the songs on the album, um, is sort of this like riff on a, a song from the Popeye movie, which I didn't even know existed. Do you know that there's a live action Popeye movie that stars Shelley Duvall and Robin Williams? It's like okay, now that you say that, it makes a yes, lot of sense. I remember that that existed, but I and I also had read in the reviews about the Popeye yes. thing. But then every time I listen to the album, I okay, forget well you should about look it, it up because it, so which song um, is the God, Popeye I can't think song? Because I'm um he it's the he needs me song. He needs me. He needs me. Oh. That's the lyrics to a song that Olive Oil sings about. Olive Oil, Shelley Duvall playing Olive Oil sings about Popeye. You should you should definitely look it up because there's clips on YouTube of just that little thing. I mean, you don't have to watch the whole thing or anything, but it just like I don't know why I'm so delighted by this, but it's just such a weird thing that like I also recently watched this weird video about Robin Williams specifically as his role in Aladdin kind of opened the floodgates for celebrity voices in animation and like how that kind of got us to this weird place that we're at today where we don't really use voice actors. We just use, um, superstars. And it was, this, it was an interesting video. I didn't agree with everything that the person said, but I liked a lot of it. And they kind of talked about, they also mentioned this Popeye movie that he did. That was like a complete flop. Like it was very, very bad. Like it's just also interesting to think about how his career might have almost gone this other way where, he just like failed after Mork and Mindy and that kind of like early success that he had. Anyway, 
But the one-two punch of Aladdin and Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. Really. Also, he's back. in Fern Gully. I've been meaning to rewatch that movie for a long time anyway, but um, he, he's in Fern Gully. That's part of this uh, really complicated story that he has with Disney where they were really mad that he made Fern Gully, even though he was the genie. Blah, blah, blah. Ugh, get yes. over to Disney. Anyway. Um, so, a long-winded okay, recommendation so, of Carly Rae Jepsen's dedicated, and also maybe yes. in this video about Robin Williams and his voice acting. <laughs> and I, I have one mm-hmm. more, because um, I saw Booksmart. Oh, I haven't seen it, but I've heard good things. And just highly recommend okay. it. So, I laughed, I cried, it yeah. was great. I identified. Yeah. <laughs> I also just watched the uh, new Netflix rom-com. Oh, Always yes. Be My Maybe? Yeah, pretty good. that was great, too. Pretty great. I mean, if you don't want to watch the whole movie, just watch the scenes with Keanu Reeves. Well, That's and also, <laughs> yeah, this, like, Bay Area rapper is part of his Randall Park's band, and, like, that, I was like, oh, that's so funny, like, I haven't thought about him in a long time, and then I just really enjoyed the closing um, rap about Keanu Reeves. Also, because I rewatched The Matrix, which I talked about. I've, like, been really on a Keanu Reeves kick, which, like, me and the whole world, but it just is... Yeah, yeah right. I was like, also a rap about Keanu Reeves is, is kind of special, exactly Jenny. what I want right now. <laughs> the whole world is I in love know. with Keanu Reeves right I now. I am three degrees away from him right now. I just want you to know that. What? Well, we can, How are you? I can't tell you on the podcast, but I know somebody who knows somebody who knows him. I'm just saying, I might get there. All right. Well, then we must hang up <laughs> because I must know. All right. All right. Well, we'll be back. Oh, wait. Uh, we should do... What God. team? Ugh. You almost forgot Ugh. this time. I feel so vindicated. <laughs> uh, I hate everyone. <laughs> team Fred. She's the only yeah, one... Yeah, I think so. ...really pulling her weight yeah. this week. And little side nod to yeah. Tara, because she was still great, even though she was barely in it. Tara's been, like, she's secret MVP really for, like, is. five I know. episodes now. And I'm not just saying it because I where she's going to end up, but I just really... She's just so good. I She's the best. Yeah. But I agree, Team Fred team this Fred. time. So, all right. Um, all right. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have. And find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.